to speak to you today. There are four aspects of God that I want to show you. I want to show you. It is like having a chair with four legs. And if you cut out one of the legs, you can't sit comfortably on the, on the chair. I want to show you four sides of God that reveals to us the character of God. You see, some people have a distorted view of God. You can have your own opinion of who you think God is. The word of God tells us who he is. You can read a thing in the Bible and, and come up with, well, I don't think that's what it is. This is what I think it is. The word of God is not open to any private interpretation. We're going to look at the character of God today. And there are four areas in the Bible or four things in the Bible that reveal to us God's character. And when people have this distorted view of God, their understanding of God is not based on the word of God. It is not based on truth. What is truth? Truth is God's opinion. Truth is God's opinion. Truth is not my opinion. Not your opinion. Not the opinion of specialists. Not the opinion of those with PhDs. Truth it's God's opinion. And every other opinion must succumb to that. People have twisted minds. And that's the reason why the perception of God is twisted. But having an understanding of the four sides of God will bring the correct perception of who God truly is. And that's what I truly believe this message is going to help you accomplish today. Come on now, say amen. amen. Everyone say the four sides of God. Everyone say understanding God's character. Now this is a very simple message, but a very deep and powerful one. Because if you don't understand these four Aspects of God, thank you, somebody's writing something down, very important, because this is a teaching. If you don't understand these four aspects of God, your view of God is distorted. If you don't understand these four aspects of God, you will be deceived. And one of the things that we know is running rampant in the world today, in the church... Is the spirit of deception. When I say in the church. I'm speaking of the body of Christ globally. The spirit of deception. Has been released. And it is running rampant. In the body of Christ. Many are deceived. Because they do not have an understanding. Of the four sides of God. And so this message is going to bring a balance. In your personal walk with God. Everything you do in your life as a Christian, if you've got a ministry, everything you do in your ministry must be done based on these four aspects of God. 
The moment you knock one out, you're done. You're finished. You have an open door in your life that the enemy can access. It is the same for the church. It is the same for you as an individual believer. So these four aspects of God, if you notice, it seems as if I'm emphasizing it, repeating and repeating myself. I want you to go home with an understanding that there are four sides of God that produces your solid Christian walk with God. That brings a balance. Everyone say balance. We don't want an imbalanced Christian. We don't want an imbalanced church. We want a church. We want believers that are balanced. Right? Because we know the four sides of God. Therefore, we are not deceived. The first thing I want you to know is this. Number one side of God is number one is this. God is spirit. God is spirit. The gospel of John chapter 4 verse number 24 says, God is a spirit and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. That is the statement of Jesus. God is spirit. Say it with me, God is spirit. God is spirit. Very important. God is spirit. So worshiping God is not about a physical building. And that is why those that do not know how to stir themselves up are struggling in their own faith today. We've come through, you know, a series of meetings, but we have not come through revival. If you know what I mean by that. We've come through a series of meetings, but we are in revival still. It's not that revival stopped when the meeting stopped. Revival continues. Can someone say amen? amen. But, but I need you to understand that the last one and a half years have been the toughest for so many Christians. And the reason it has been the toughest or one of the reasons it has been the toughest for so many Christians is because they do not know how to personally experience the presence of God for themselves without coming to church. Are you seeing that? Some people, the only time they smile, the only time they, it's one day in church. Some people, the only time they, 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 they experience the presence of God is when they are in church. Some people, the only time they open their Bible is when they are in church. Are you listening to what I'm saying? So this has been a huge struggle for those who do not understand that God is spirit. And because God is spirit, you worship him in spirit and in truth, whether you are in a physical building or not. They do not have a consistency. They do not have this consistent flowing relationship with God. And you see, the fact that God is spirit means you can't see him with your physical naked eyes. Come on now. And that is a problem. You know why that's a problem? It's a problem because some people don't know how to walk in the spirit. Galatians 5 says, walk in the spirit. 
Walk in the Spirit. You've got to walk in the Spirit. You cannot, listen, you contact God with your spirit. That's how you contact God, with your spirit. And you've got to know how to do so. Each of us must know how to do so when we are not in church. Each of us must know how to stir ourselves up. You don't have to wait to come to church and when he sings and when he plays and when we lift our hands, that's the only time in your life that you know God exists. You've got to begin to practice the presence of God because God is spirit. He is right there in your bedroom with you. Yeah. God is right. Listen, listen guys. Even when you're riding on a public bus, Loaded with people, stinking, with your hands lifted and your armpits over your face. And in the metro, I need you to know that you can still access the Spirit of God right there. When you walk through the waters, God says, I'll be with you. Because He is Spirit. Through the rivers, they shall not overflow you. When you walk through fire, you would not be burned. Neither shall the flames kindle upon you. You know why? Because God is there all the time. Think about the three Hebrew boys. They were about to be thrown into the fiery furnace. And King Nebuchadnezzar said to them, Why don't you just bow and worship the image I have erected? They said, oh, king, we are not going to bow to your image. They had a relationship with this God. Jesus said, those that worship God must worship him in spirit and in truth. You might be going through the toughest time of your life. That does not mean God is absent. God is there right with you because God, his spirit, and he watches Everything that we do. Oh king, we are not going to worship your God. Okay, if you don't worship my God, I will tell my boys to heat the thing up seven times. The flames will be hotter. You will not survive it. Oh king, let it be known unto you that our God will deliver us. Where is the God that you're talking about that you don't see him because he's spirit? But he is here right now. <laughs> he's here right now. But we don't see him. Yeah, you, you cannot see him because you are a man. But we know his presence is always with us. Amen. He said, I'll never leave you. Amen. My God, I'll never leave you. Aha, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. I will be with you always, even to the end of the age. Because God is spirit. And we've got to be aware of his presence every day. There's something we know as practicing the presence of God. When I was preaching on the, bap- on the Holy Spirit sometime in the past, I said the problem with a lot of people is the fact that the Spirit of God is invisible. Yeah. 
And because you can't see him with your naked eyes, it is difficult for you to fellowship with him. But men like Paul who understood that the presence of God is always there with us. He said, may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Spirit of God be with you. Oh my God. How can you say the communion or the word communion is fellowship? How can you fellowship with a spirit? Well, the only way you can fellowship with a spirit is by spirit. Because you are spirit too. Oh my God. The Bible says in John chapter 3, I believe it's verse number 4 or 5. He that's born of the flesh is flesh. He that's born of the spirit is spirit. You have been born of the spirit of the living God. Therefore, you can fellowship with the spirit of God. Come on, say amen. amen. We don't see him with our naked eyes, but we know his presence is with us. We don't see him with our naked eyes, but we can feel his presence upon us. Amen. Praise the Lord. Amen. They threw them into the fiery furnace. And the fourth man was there. His presence in the fiery furnace made the place habitable. No matter, no matter what the devil thinks, he throws at people. If you're a child of God, that thing the enemy meant for evil, God's going to turn it for good. Amen. That, oh my God, that, that amen is so weak. Amen. That thing the enemy meant for evil, God's going to use that same thing and lift you to next level. That thing, that, thing the enemy, that thing the enemy wants to ruin your life with, that same thing God will use. God will use that thing that is a problem. The devil calls it a problem. But God says it's a stepping stone for, for the next level. Amen. It's a stepping stone to go to the next place. Yes. Can someone say amen? amen? It's an opportunity to see the glory of God. If only you can believe, you will see the glory of God. Amen. All things are possible to him that believes. Amen. Come on now, shout hallelujah. hallelujah. Praise the Lord. So God is spirit. And God is there all the time. We cannot lose sight of the fact that God is always with us. His spirit. Now, that is the reason why when Moses was on the mountain for 40 days, God said to him, make sure that you don't build any graven image. Don't build anything that you would call God. Nothing physical, nothing should represent me. I believe it's Exodus 33 when Moses says, show me your glory. God said, nobody sees my face and live. But I'll make my goodness pass before you. And when I come, I'll hide you on the cleft of the rock. And, and I'll make my goodness pass before you. Come on now, say amen. amen. That is what you see religion today. I mean, all kinds of religion have this thing that they use as a representation of God. But you haven't seen him with your eyes. How can you build an image and call it God? Paul was in Greece, and he was going from, from, from one temple to another. And, and all the temples have, have names 
uh, uh, given to them. And he, he got to this temple where, it, where they have this inscription uh, for the unknown God. Uh -huh. Paul said, yeah, that's the one I'm talking about. <laughs> that's the one I brought to you. That's the one I brought to you. The one who made heaven and earth does not live in buildings. Right? He does not live in buildings made by the hands of men. He dwells in heaven. And he fills the entire earth with his presence and his glory. David said, where can I go from your presence? Where can I run to that you're not there? You go down, down below the sea, God is right there. You go up to the sky, God is right there. You run and hide yourself in your wardrobe, God is right there. There's nowhere you can hide from this God. He fills all things and He is in all places on the face of the earth. You go into the wild and into the safari of Africa. God is there even amongst the beasts. He's His Spirit. Say it with me, God is Spirit. And I must worship Him. Say it, I must worship Him. In Spirit. And in truth. Praise God. You see, God is spirit. That's why he sees everything everyone does at the same time. <laughs> Hallelujah. Ooh, praise God. You can only relate with God through your spirit. And for your spirit to relate with God, you must, capital letter must, you must be born again. Because the person who is not born again is dead. I told you during the revival meetings, I said to you that it is the church that needs revival. It is not the world. The world does not need revival because the word to revive means to make alive again. Right? Like somebody who is about to die, goes to the hospital, and then boom, he flatlines, and they use the defibrillator, and they shock him. And bring him back to life. The, the church needs the, needs the defibrillator. Not this one now. Because you are in revival already. So, you, you, But if you've come into this place. And you need me to bring out the defibrillator of the spirit of God. I don't mind bringing it out today. Because some of you might need it. Because you were not with us during the revival meetings. You've been so dazed. And you've been so... You've been so uh, uh, overwhelmed by the pressures of, 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 of the world and, and all the stuff that you've gone through for the last one and a half years and it, it sapped life out of you. Today, God's going to breathe life into you. Amen. Come on now, say amen. amen. But the person who is born again has a living spirit in him. And it is with that spirit you worship God. That's why Jesus was speaking to the woman and the well when the woman said, well, we worship God here, you worship God there, Jesus said, get rid of all of that. The time is coming and now is when true worshipers shall not worship God on the mountain or in a specific place, but true worshipers will worship God in spirit and in truth. Amen. It is not about a specific place. We don't all have to, we don't all have to go to Jerusalem. You want to go for a pilgrimage or for vacation? That's your decision to make. We don't need to do that. God is not locked up somewhere in Jerusalem. That's a fact. The way people present this thing looks like God is... I mean, even the thing about the, the, the wailing wall. 
They go by the wailing wall and they put, oh, I feel the anointing. No, the anointing is not, listen guys, God is not in those walls. The Holy Ghost came out of the temple. I said the Holy Ghost came out of the temple. The Bible says when Jesus Christ died on the cross of Calvary, that the curtain that separated the holy place from the holy place was turned from top to bottom, indicating that the Spirit of God will no more live in buildings made by the hands of men. Paul said, don't you know you are the house of God? That the Spirit of God lives in you? No, He doesn't live in a building. He lives in people. Come on, say amen. Amen. He's a spirit. He's not confined to a natural human building. The Holy Ghost decided to come in and live in you. And He is in you. God is spirit. The Spirit of God is in us. Come on now, say amen. Amen. And yes, we talk about the manifestation of the Spirit of God in our midst. I need you to understand, it is the Spirit in us that manifests around us. Come on, say amen. Amen. So everywhere you go as a believer, you carry the presence of God. You carry God's presence wherever you go. Number two. God is light. See, number one is what? God is spirit. Number two is what? God is light. First John chapter 1, verse number 5. 1 John 1, 5. This, this then is the message which we have heard of him and declare unto you that God is light. Say it with me, God is light. And in him is no darkness at all. Look at John chapter 3, verse 19 to 21. And this is the condemnation, that the light has come into the world, and men loved darkness rather than light. Why? Because their deeds were evil. For everyone practicing evil hates the light and and does not come to the light, lest his deeds should be exposed. But he who does the truth comes to the light, that his deeds may be clearly seen, that they have been done in God. Are you seeing that? Notice how it says it. Those who are doing good will bring the good to the light. So that men will know that their work has been done in God. Which means God is light. God is light. Come on now say amen. Amen. In John chapter 1. It says in the beginning was the word. The word was with God. The word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by him. Without him was nothing made that was made. In him was life. And the life was the light of men. And the light shineth. Everyone said shineth. The light shineth in the darkness. And the darkness could not comprehend it. Come on say amen. Amen. So God is light. The Bible says in God there is no darkness. There is no what? Darkness. Darkness. James 1.17 says every good gift. And every perfect gift. Cometh down. From the father of what? Light. Light, With whom there is no 
variation, neither shadow of turning. When the light of God shows up, there is no shadow. Because the light of God illuminates everything. Are you listening to me? The light of God illuminates all. Therefore, there is no darkness wherever God shows up. The Bible even talks about God dwelling in an unapproachable light. Come on now, say amen. amen. Praise the Lord. My God is light. There is nothing evil in God. No sin in God. No unrighteousness in God. No sickness in God. No poverty in God. Come on, no depression in God. All this stuff I'm mentioning right now, they come from darkness. And God is light. In Him there is no darkness. In Him, the word darkness there also means evil. In God there is no darkness. In God there is no pain. In God there is no disease. In God there is no sickness. Somebody was having a conversation with me a few weeks ago. And the person was coming across to me until I hit hard on the person. The person was trying to imply that God will use sickness. The guy said, Pastor, why don't you guys teach on suffering? What? Teach on suffering? Did Jesus not suffer enough? Come on now. Jesus took my pain. Jesus took my sickness. Jesus took my poverty. The Bible says, you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ that he was so very rich. But for your sake. He became poor so that you, through his poverty, might be made rich. Are you kidding me? To talk about what kind of suffering? Suffering in your health? No, the Bible says, who is own self, bear your sins in his own body, that you being dead to sin might live unto righteousness by whose stripes you were healed. Jesus took your pain. Jesus took your sickness. Jesus took the poverty all on himself. So what kind of suffering are you talking about? Now, I am a big believer and I understand persecution. If that's what we're talking about, then it's fine. But persecution that comes because you live right. The Bible talks about persecution for righteousness sake. Right? Not for stupidity sake. Preaching good? Come on now, say amen. amen. Just understand, God and the devil does not have anything in common. And that implies that God does not use demons to carry out anything he wants to do. Neither does Satan use the angels of God. They have no agreement. Light and darkness cannot cohabit. Come on, I'm preaching good, say amen. amen. Anything that is plaguing your body. Anything that's ruining your life, anything that's destroying your family, it's not from God. Amen. Period. Amen. God is light. In Him there is no darkness. Amen. You see, you remember what I told you when I started? When you have a distorted view of God, that's when you speak like that. Amen. Oh, God put this sickness on you to teach you a lesson. <laughs> and then my question is, why will God then heal you? Because if God put it on you to teach you a lesson, it's obvious you haven't learned. Then just keep learning. Don't come to me to lay hands on you and pray. Because if God put it, why do you want me to take it off? You want to put me in trouble with God. 
You know what I mean by that? Because if God gave it to you, why are you not asking me to take it off? That would mean praying against the will of God. I don't want to get into trouble with God. If God gave you that poverty to teach you a lesson, then why are you asking me to pray for you to be blessed? In actual fact, why are you even asking me to give you some money? No, enjoy it. Enjoy the poverty. Enjoy the sickness. In actual fact, you should be saying, Lord, more pain. <laughs> Lord, this is not intense enough. Put, bring, it, bring it harder. And when God brings it harder, you say, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. No, that's the, that's the lie from the pit of hell. That's a big lie. God does not put any evil on his people. God is light. In God, there is no what? No darkness. No sin. Come on now, say amen. No sin. And God does not even tempt you with sin. Let me just also say that. I did a study when I was in Bible school. We had to, we, we had to do a study. And uh, we, were to, we, were, we were supposed to differentiate uh, a temptation from trial. Temptation from trial. That's a totally different meaning that temptation carries from what trial carries. God will try your faith. The Bible said the trial of your faith worketh patience. See that? It works patience. Right? So you, you think, about, think, about, think about those who walk with gold. What do they do? They put it in a furnace. And, and the dross will come to the top. They scoop it off. And they put it in the furnace. And the dross will come to the top. They scoop it off. They are refining the gold. So that's what the trial that God allows into your life will produce. The trial of your faith will produce patience. Patience is one of the fruit of the Spirit. Come on now, say Amen. <laughs> But the Bible says when it comes to temptation, God tempts no one with evil. He says you are tempted when you are drawn after your own lusts. It's not God that brings temptation. It is, in, to be honest with you, most of the time it is the devil and the person cooperating with the devil. Fact. Let me say that again. When it comes to temptation, it is the devil and the man cooperating with the devil. The Bible says you are tempted when you are drawn. Everyone said drawn. drawn. After your what? Your loss and your desires. That's when temptation comes. Have you noticed that the thing that tempts you the most is the thing you are weak on? The devil knows the button to push. Correct? He knows the button to push. And some of you would be able to testify that it is the same temptation almost every day. The same. Look, I've never thought of robbing a bank. It will never cross my mind. The devil won't tempt me with it. Do you understand my point now? There are things the devil knows that, no, I wouldn't, this won't work for him. It won't work with him. So, but he knows what will work with you. And you know how he knows? Because it's an area where you've, made, where you've failed many times. Oh, okay, I see. That is the area of weakness. So I just keep pushing that button. 
And when you outgrow that, when you grow out of that, the devil will also know that. Because see, I told you last week, the devil is not a stupid devil. For those who think the devil is stupid, all his demons are stupid, that's, that's not true. They know the button to push. And if you keep acting the same way, they'll keep pushing the same button. Somebody say amen. amen. Say God is light. God is light. In, God In God there is no darkness. No darkness whatsoever. So don't let people come lie to you. God put the sickness on you so that he will teach you a lesson. God put poverty on you to teach you a lesson. No, God does not because these are the things that Jesus already carried for us on the cross. And these are the things that came into the existence of humanity because of sin. Is that correct? You know, when God made Adam, Adam was in the Garden of Eden. Correct? Adam was not sick. Adam would not die. Correct? And God would come in the cool of the day and fellowship with Adam. But when Adam sinned, what happened? God said, from the sweat of your face, you shall eat bread. From the sweat of your brow, you shall eat. That speaks of poverty. It was never there. God said, you shall work the ground, but it will not give you like it should. That is unfruitful hard labor. You work hard, you get less. You, you, you work like an elephant. Or you work like it say in Turkey, like a donkey. Right? Uh-huh. You work like a donkey, but you, you have very little coming back to you. That was never the plan of God. It was never the plan of God. Now, the Bible says there is one enemy that is left to be defeated. And that enemy is who? death because Adam was not supposed to die but because sin came into the human race and has corrupted the human race for that reason death must continue until Jesus makes everything new are you seeing that are you seeing that that is the reason why death must continue that's what the Bible said the last enemy to be destroyed is death in Revelation chapter 20, I believe it's verses 14 and 15, it says, it says, and I saw the great, small and great stand before the throne of God and, and books were opened and that book was opened, which is the book of life. And those, uh, the dead were judged according to the things written in the books. And death and Hades was cast into the lake of fire. See, this death is a spirit. And honestly, I have seen death. It's a spirit. It's a spirit. There is a spirit of fear. God has not given you the spirit of fear, but of power, love, and sound mind. Fear is a, it's a demonic entity. I need you to know that. Religious spirit is a demonic entity. Spirit of unclean spirit is a demonic entity. Death is a demonic entity. And that demonic spirit of death has not been stopped. It continues. Do you understand what I mean by that? So, 
it continues to affect the human race. And the day would come when Jesus would say, okay, your time is up. And he would take death, the spirit, and cast it into the lake of fire. And whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. So they will all continue there. But it will never affect humanity ever again. Come on now, say amen. amen. And so, for those of you who have lost a loved one, they have crossed over to the other side of eternity. If they were saved, don't cry. The Bible says we shouldn't cry as, the, as unbelievers do. We don't have hope. We know we shall see them again. Amen. I mean, I've lost three very close people to me. Very, very close people, three of them. The most recent was about five years ago when my father, at the age of 75, passed on to glory. But I know I shall see them again. Amen. Come on now, say amen. amen. I know I shall see them again. Say, God is light. In him there is no darkness. Number three. God is love. <laughs> What's number one? What's number two? What's number three? God's love. First John chapter 4, verses 7 and 8. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God, and everyone that loveth is born of God and knoweth God. Look at verse number 8. He that loveth not God, sorry, he that loveth not, knoweth not God, for God is love. God's love. God is love. See, I like that God is love, not that he has love. He is the embodiment of love. He is love. He is love. See that? You see, people say, I have love. No, God is love. So if you say, I have love, you mean I have God. <laughs> but this is the most confused subject when it comes to dealing with people who are sexually pervert, perverted. When it comes to sexual perversion, this is the most difficult topic to deal with. Well, most difficult not in the sense of not being able to communicate the truth to them, but because they think sexual love is agape love. But I need you to understand that God is agape love, not erotic love. Should I say that again? God, <laughs> God is agape love, not erotic love. See? So when you begin to talk about love, people who are in sexual perversion think that that is love. What they do is love. And this has become a big issue in our day and time. And people are not able to tell the truth anymore because they want to be men pleasers. And then they're going to tag you and call you all kinds of names that you hate people. No, it is not hate. It is truth. Yes. 
God is agape love. God is not erotic love. We need, to, we need to understand that. When you read the Bible, you've got to understand that the fact that you see the word love in a verse does not mean it is agape. <laughs> because we know that the Greek word for love, actually there are four Greek words for love. There is storge. There is phileo. There is eros. That's where we get the English word erotic. And then there is agape. God's love is agape love. And this love does not change. For God so agape the world. That's the, the word love there. It's agape. You read in the Greek, it's agape. For God so agape the world or loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God did not send his son to condemn the world but that the world might be saved through him. This is not love that changes in seasons. This is a very consistent love. This is not love that you get because of what you do. This is not love based on my good works. This is not love based on how nice I am. This is love independent of who you are. It's the love of God. There are others... I love based on what people do for you. I love you because you are my child. I love you because you're my brother. Right? Because you're my brother. I love you because, I mean, I mean, if you know that there is something about, about Africans. We call everybody brother because they have the same color with us <laughs> as us. They have our color, so they are brothers. Hey, that's my brother. <laughs> when this church started, Pastor Corey was a bit confused with that. <laughs> because people will say to him, that's my brother. Pastor Corey said, uh, you mean your brother? Really, that's your brother? Yeah, that's my brother. But he did not understand that an African will call another African that he does not even know from Adam, his brother. <laughs> and then he learned. So I forgot, I don't know whether it was me that explained that to him or somebody, but he realized, oh, because you're all Africans. Yeah, that's the way we see it. So that's my, that's my brother. But you don't look alike. Yeah. <laughs> you see, that's all natural love. It's all what? Natural love. Amen. Today, the big stuff that's happening now, it's people are just talking about racism and racism. And ra look. I don't make a big deal out of that. I don't even preach stuff about racism. I don't see it. Oh, you don't know what I mean. You don't know what I mean. I'm not saying it does not exist. But we've got to see everybody as God's people. If you know what I'm talking about. We, we've got to see everybody as God's people. Let's get rid of this old color thing and race thing and, and get rid of it. I'm not saying it does not exist. Don't get me wrong. It does exist. Well, I'm not going to come to church and make my message all about race. We are members of the family of God. Come on now, say amen. amen. 
We are members of God's family. We are members of the household of God. You are my brother. You are my sister. Indeed. Praise God. It does exist. It's happening. I mean, I don't think there's any country where you don't have racism. It does happen everywhere. It happens. It happens in Africa. It happens in Europe. It happens in Asia. It happens in America. It happens everywhere. My God, we talk about racism. What of tribalism? What of tribalism? So, we, we, need to, we need to begin to preach the message of the Lord. In the church, there is no race. In the church, we don't look at that. We are in, in the family of God. And the blood of Jesus washed all of us. And has made us members of one family. And that is God's family. If you believe you're a member of the family of God, give him a big shout of praise the Lord. God's love. God is love. Praise God. Now, love does not mean we have to agree with everyone's way of life. Do you understand that? Let's hold hands because... We must love them. And so let's sing, We are the world. <laughs> let's hold hands and sing, Kumbaya. Love does not mean we have to accept everyone's way of life. In actual fact, love tells the truth. Love tells what? Love tells the truth. In love, speak the truth. In love, speak the truth. If there is error, speak the truth in love. Bring correction in love. Come on, say amen. amen. Right now, I'm telling you, you, you'll be shocked about with what I'm about to tell you. There's an official, when I say official, official Roman Catholic video, Roman Catholic Church video. Uh, where Pope Francis uh, is advocating for people to come together in love, different religions come together in love. And people, uh, this guy would say, I am this, name the religion, I believe in love. I am this, name the religion, I believe in love. I am this, the religion, I believe in love. So, so he's advocating for uh, people to come together in the name of love. And then in the video, he said, this is Pope Francis. So I'm not making up a story here. In the video, he said, impl basically implying that there are several ways to God. So all because we want to be uh, accommodating, all because we want to, 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 uh, we want the mainstream, mainstream narrative. 
That's mainstream right there. When you hear the word mainstream, just know it's corrupt. The one mainstream narrative, let's hold our hands, let's come together, let's build one thing. And you know, it, it's all geared towards the one world religion. We all worship the same God. No, Jesus said in John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one cometh to the Father except by me. That's it. And it's interesting that you, you speak like this, you are the one that's not walking in love. <laughs> because they don't understand the agape love of God. And the whole thing with, you know, peace in the world and all that. Look, I doubt there can be peace in the world. You know why I doubt there, is, there can be peace in the world? Because you can see there is no peace in the world. Because all kinds of crazy things happen. In, in cities, in nations, and you have people that can't even see face to face. Correct? First Timothy 4 1 says, Now the Spirit speaketh expressly that in the latter times some shall depart from the faith. Some shall depart from the faith. Notice, hey my God, this once saved, forever saved nonsense, I don't believe it. The Bible says here, some shall depart from the faith. The faith, the Christian faith. Some shall depart from it. Now, I once lived in Lagos, Nigeria. I once lived in Lagos, Nigeria. Now I live in Istanbul. Because I departed from Lagos, Nigeria. I'm sure you got the message. Some shall depart from the faith. You cannot depart from the faith un unless you are in the faith first. That's why I give the example of being in Lagos. And I departed from Lagos and now I live in Istanbul. So when the Bible says some shall depart from the faith, then it means they were in the faith. Because if they were not in the faith, they would not depart from the faith. Some shall depart from the faith. Giving heed to seducing spirits and the doctrine of devils. The doctrine of devils. What the Bible says is right, they say it's wrong. Now they have alternative names for sin. The man is in adultery, but they say he's having an affair. No, the Bible calls it adultery. The Bible does not call it having an affair. You see how they, how they, huh? Yeah, they coined a new phrase for it. It's having an affair. No, the Bible says adultery. You have all kinds of new names, alternative lifestyle. What was the lifestyle before? 
Because if there's an alternative, then there's, there, there's the real. These are people that call good evil and evil good. And the love of God speaks the truth. The love of God speaks the truth. And we've got to be bold to speak the truth. You shouldn't be afraid to speak the truth. Because the day is coming when God will require everyone to give account to him. For the way they've lived their lives. And you who know the truth and you refuse to speak the truth in love. You will be responsible. I've told you here many times, nobody's blood here will be on my hands. I'm going to preach the truth. I'm going to tell the truth like it is. Come on now, say amen. amen. God is what? Love. Love. The last but not the least, God is a consuming fire. Now we're going to begin to see the judgment side of God. Oh yeah. Right now, let me just tell you, right now, God is not judging anybody. Right now, the judgment was put on Jesus Christ. But the Bible says the day is coming when men shall stand before God and give account of how they lived their lives. Some shall stand before the white throne judgment seat of God. And some shall stand before the beamer judgment seat of Christ. And anyone who stands before the white throne judgment seat of Christ is doomed for eternity. They're going to a lost eternity. People shall stand there. And some shall stand before the beamer, the judgment seat of Christ, where he rewards us for what we've done here on earth. The motive. I want to say the motive. Everything you do with the wrong or right motive, will be rewarded. If it's the wrong motive, it will be burnt up by the fire of God. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, you can read that. If you've done it with the right motive, then you're going to get a reward. That's judgment. Now, don't think to yourself that when we get to heaven, we shall all be on the same class. No. Do you even know that even in hell there are levels? No, that's, that's so true. It's biblical. In hell, there are levels. But it's hell. Even the lowest level is terrible. <laughs> in heaven, and in the, new, in, the new, in, the, in the new thing that God shall introduce, we shall not all be on the same level. Well, why do you think Jesus himself said that, that you shall sit on 12 thrones? Tell, talking to his apostles. You shall sit on 12 thrones judging the nations. We shall not all be on the same level. Paul said, I've run my race, I've kept the faith, I've finished the course. Now what awaits me is the righteous judge that will reward me for the things I've done. So the Lord is put his hand upon your life and has called you out from darkness into light. Don't waste your life away because what you do for God here will be rewarded on the other side. Right now, what is in operation is not a judgment of God. Right now, what is in effect is Galatians chapter 6. Don't be deceived. God is not mocked. Whatever a man sows, that he shall also reap. Judgment was put on Jesus Christ. 
But right now, in effect, we have what? Seed time and what? And harvest time. Whatsoever a man sows, that he shall reap. He that sows to the flesh are from the flesh. Reap what? Corruption. But he that sows into the spirit will from the spirit reap eternal life. That happens here on earth. All kinds of natural disaster happens and people say God is judging the city. God, No, no, God's not judging any city. The time for the judgment of the nations will come. Are you listening to me? The time is coming when the nations will be judged. The time is coming when the peoples of the earth will be judged. It is not today. Praise God. When we take off and leave this place, uh-huh, now stuff will begin to happen. The seven-year uh, tribulation. Stuff will begin to happen. The vial, the bowl, and the, the trumpet. I preached that. Pouring out his wrath. Men will hide and, 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 uh, in caves. Rich men. Rich men. Now they are driving Bentleys and, and Ferraris. They will hide in caves and say, I'm hiding myself from the face of this God. You won't be driving Bentley then. And you, believers, and those watching me today, if you can't even spend time praying, fasting, putting the body under, putting discipline in your, in your physical body, oh my God, you won't make it. At the tribulation. You know something? If you cannot resist some things now. Last week I talked about drinking. If you can't even resist some of these things that bind men. How will you resist when for, for seven days you haven't eaten, you haven't drank? For 14 days you haven't eaten, you haven't drank? I mean, I know when I go on a fast. My God. I was on the 21-day fast the other time. People thought I was sick. 21 days with no food. Only liquid. Only water, by the way. Not even liquid, no juice. Not, oh, just water. People thought I was sick. What's wrong with pastor? Nothing was wrong with me. I was pressing into God. I remember coming to Bible school, and I was still doing my job, by the way. I was not in a mountain somewhere. <laughs> no, I was not in a mountain somewhere. I was still ministering. I was still coming to every service. I did not turn over the ministry uh, to anybody. I was still coming here. I was teaching in a Bible school. I was still sometimes taught hours in Bible school. But I held on to this podium like this. Because I was feeling, sometimes I felt dizzy. 21 days. No food. Only water. I came on Sunday. I preached English. I preached Turkish. I preached French. Midweek service, I preached. Wednesday, I preached. Thursday. Amen. Bible school Saturday, I was here. Preach, teaching the students. And my stomach was manifesting. <laughs> oh my God. Oh my God. Oh my God. Even, even the most basic food was appealing to my eyes. <laughs> I walked. When I walk by the pastry shop there, oh my God, I look. 
but it is self-control. You see, I was developing self-control. Self-control. I look at the food, oh my God. Keep going. <laughs> Keep going. Don't even look. Keep going. Self-control. So if people can push their plate of food away for a day, for three days, for one week, we just, we're rounding up at 14 days tomorrow. If you didn't even join us. Oh my God. What will happen when the Antichrist says, you can't buy, you can't sell, if you don't have the mark of the beast? Not being able to buy and sell means there is no food for the person to eat. You, you understand that? And on top of that, all the pressure. I mean, people, I mean, you can't travel. You can't go into stores. Right? You can't easily walk on the street. Because there are still going to be police. And the police will be working all under one government. So until you have the mark of the beast, you cannot function. How will you do? What will you do? How will you survive? Or maybe you are a father. You have your 15, 16-year-old child still living in, the, in your house. You all missed the, you all missed the rapture. You see your wife, you see your kids, just pining away, dying of starvation. One week, you as a father, you can say, okay, I, I will try, I will try. But like, here is your child, she, she cannot, he cannot. Two weeks, no child, let's not take it. Three weeks, 21 days. Oh. Four weeks. How long are you guys going to go? That's why we must live right so that we don't miss the rapture. Amen. If what I'm telling you does not even put the fear of God in you, I wonder what will. Live right so that you don't miss the rapture. All of us. We're going just like Moses. I like the way Moses said to Pharaoh. Pharaoh said to Moses, um, go and leave your children. Moses said, no way. We are not leaving Egypt without our children. Okay, go with your children, go with yourself, leave your cattle. No, how are we going to leave without having anything to worship our God with? We are leaving this place with everything we have. I want to say to you, get your family ready. Don't play games. Be serious about your relationship with God. Know these four sides of God so that you are not deceived in these last days. And serve God with fervency. The Bible says be fervent in the spirit serving the Lord. Don't become an icicle. Get hot. Serve Jesus. Love Jesus. He loved you first and he gave himself for you. Now it's your turn to love him and give yourself to him. 